Hello and welcome back to Part of the Story. My name is Claire Brown. I'm one of your hosts and today I'm joined by our early literacy specialist, Deb Isbister. Welcome, Deb. Thank you for having me. So let's talk a little bit about your background, Deb. Like how did you end up here and doing this? (laughs) Well, uh, I actually have a Bachelor of Education degree and a BA with uh, English History uh, Indigenous Studies focus. So um, in all honesty, I started working in a library because it had shorter hours than working in a school and I had young children at the time. So that made sense for you. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So were you at a library prior to Read Your Public? No, this is my first library and I've been here over 25 years, which dates (laughs) me really badly. Um, But the bulk of those years were actually spent in the children's area. Well, and that's what like what I mean when I say like early literacy specialist, because when we have questions here, like staff members, immediately it's like, let's ask Deb. <laughs> so we wanted in this podcast with this conversation with Deb to talk a little bit about what early literacy actually means when we're talking about early literacy, what it can mean for you and what it could mean for your little reluctant readers at home, potentially. Um, So that's sort of where our conversation is going today. So once you got here and you realized, I kind of like it here. I like this library life. I like sort of what this means to me and you specialize in in early literacy and like story time programs have you always been doing so Deb is our preschool like maven here at the library (laughs) did you start in preschool or did that sort of evolve um actually when I started I started with toddlers okay and then the busiest of all little yeah right the craziest (laughs) group I will admit uh there's really no rhyme or reason to toddler story time uh you usually have to wing it and have every all your supplies ready (laughs) and your plan goes out the window with the first story usually um so I mean the trial by fire that was my first one (laughs) and then then I moved in and did some baby programs and some and then preschool and then added school age with it as well yeah so when we're talking about baby programs a lot of people are probably thinking what are you what do you do with babies babies? yeah (laughs) what are you doing with babies but really it's about the relationship with the parent and encouraging the literacy between the parent and the child can you talk a little bit about how you would encourage that with really young kids like pre-verbal children so in actually all of our programs we focus on some modeling so this is, this is a great way to introduce a book to young children. This is, um, we'll model how to point to the pictures while you're telling the story, how to pause for questions, how to involve them in the story and keep them engaged. And so babies, the biggest part of that program, the baby fun, is um, talking to parents, teaching them some rhymes, giving them some uh, support in engaging with their children and how they use literacy throughout their day it's not just reading a book Mm -hmm. it's walking through the grocery store and pointing to objects and building their vocabulary by talking about your day what's going on and I know it seems silly to be having a full (laughs) conversation with a two-month-old but they're hearing your voice they're bonding with you they're um, hearing all of these words and eventually they're going to put them together and like I'm sure I'm not a parent. Deb is a parent, and she's been around many, many parents in her day. I'm sure that moment when your child first gets that thing that you've been talking to them about or pointing out, it must be like the biggest moment of your life thus far. Yeah, it's pretty exciting that they actually connected. Yeah to what you were saying yeah so when you started with toddlers we were talking about the busyness of toddlers (laughs) and again when you're talking about a story time program you think oh you know my toddler can't sit for five minutes let alone maybe a 30 minute story time so for those parents who think that a toddler time perhaps is not for them what would you say the biggest thing with toddler time especially now after coming out of the isolation when uh, during the the isolation stage of the pandemic I will Mm -hmm. say because I don't think it's ended yet but we're not isolating Um, but 
those children have had a delay in social skills. Mm-hmm. They, they haven't had that opportunity to spend time around other people, other adults, other children, learn about sharing, learn about um, listening, focusing on another <laughs> adult, following any kind of instruction, really. They do a yeah. little at home. I'm like, I give parents all the credit in the world for what they've been doing at home. Yeah. But the that extra learning out in society basically and so the biggest thing that we do in toddler fun actually is those social skills so it's that that learning how to pay a little bit of attention (laughs) add a little bit of focus the come up and pick up a a shaker and then go back and follow those simple instructions of how to shake it your toddler may not follow any of it for the very first part a couple times yeah a couple of them sit back right on mom's lap and just watch with their eyes really big and <laughs> and you're like eventually they slowly start to come out of that shell and they start to watch the other children they learn from each other mm-hmm. how to get up and move around and do some of the movements and then start to interact with other children and we leave a little bit of time at the end always for the children to try to play a little bit together yeah so that's your opportunity a lot of times you don't know other families that have those that age group right yes and like I think that's another thing that again I'm not a parent but I think to find a support group of some people who are in similarly minded positions as yourself maybe you are struggling with your little toddler that you know has toddled mostly at home (laughs) and it could be a little bit difficult meeting other parents experiencing the same thing it's sort of a safe neutral place and you have you know the story time experience in common and you can sort of grow from there I'm sure in your years here you've seen a lot of children grow up and (laughs) parental friendships and that sort of thing like does it still blow your mind when you see one of your little regulars that are not so little anymore (laughs) oh I had one come up who recognized me he was here with his toddler oh my word and he said how long have you worked here um you look familiar I think I had you for my story times (laughs) and yes that 25 years hit home then a little hard (laughs) a little harsh but yes so now Deb primarily focuses on uh, for her regular story time preschoolers yes how does that change for you toddlers versus preschoolers um preschoolers tend to you you can do a little bit more a little longer story Mm. a little bit more where they're they're paying closer attention when you're using the manipulative so this the puppets or the felt board Sometimes when we would try it with toddlers, they just run up and take everything off the board. <laughs> and so it's a little bit of bedlam. Yeah. But with preschoolers, they're following what's happening. And they're, um, they're a little more aware of the other people in the space. So they're, they're sitting longer. They're not standing in front of each other or right moving around. Um, they're understanding some of the concepts as you're going through what's happening mm-hmm. in the stories. They're responding back which is a big thing with reading a story to children is to getting them to asking questions as you're going along to check for their comprehension Mm -hmm. and they're they're picking it up I remember so I did story time for a very short period of time and I did do preschool and you were great (laughs) and my favorite part was always that little community that you built with these children they'd sit you know right up close to you and because they are a little bit older, they have a little bit more autonomy from their parent. Mm-hmm. And you could ask them a question about, oh, what do you think's coming up? Or what, do you notice this or that or whatever? And exactly. they would respond back to you so excitedly to know sort of where things were going or to guess where things were going. And that was always a really fulfilling part for me. But it was also the repetition. I know that a lot of uh, story time people here do a similar song to say hello or to say goodbye or a stretch or whatever would you recommend repetition with children and and how would you incorporate that into a story time regularly oh absolutely it's uh it's actually helpful for a pre-learn pre-reading is to do that repetition which it's it sounds strange you have to read the same story over and over again especially important with toddlers mm-hmm. for sure it's that comfort level they start to build and then they that it takes that repetition for them to start see the pattern and understand what's happening in the story um for preschoolers definitely we start with a, a welcome song they 
it encourages them or makes it easier for them to join in. Mm-hmm. So then they feel that satisfaction that they know, oh, I know what's going on. I'm get their the, the comfort level of is the higher. The, yeah, yeah. So they get more comfortable with you and with the program as they are more familiar with the things that happen as you go. Mm-hmm. So when we pull out the scarves or the shakers, <laughs> they know, oh, I know how this goes. I yeah. know what happens now. And they know some of the rhymes already. So they're able to join in. And so that, that play that happens that comfort level is a lot a lot better when you are doing them regularly I also think it's the excitement of the child to know oh I know what happens yeah like if they have like if they you know some children are more gregarious than others and I think that that can really help children who are sort of maybe first or a little shy and for that little kid to be excited to know what's coming I think it can be infectious for their little mates in the story time as well so to have that repetition is really I think excellent. And I think a lot of people who don't have children, who don't do early literacy type of program, don't really think about that. You think that you have to do the new thing every single time. Yes. But kids don't really necessarily want that. They want to know what's coming. Yep. <laughs> Can you think of a particular experience that you've had with story time or children's festival and outreach? Something that sort of sticks out in your mind as this is why I do this. There's a, a couple that really stick out. Um, one was was a children's festival event um, when we were out just walking around the space and mm-hmm. being recognized. Oh. It's always <laughs> it's hilarious that a lot of the children will come with a day home provider. Right. And so their parent is like, why? <laughs> How do you know this adult? Why are you running yeah. up to this other adult? <laughs> yes. Yes. And then they're so excited to see you. Yeah. Um, I had one at the rec center come running up and tell me his whole life story <laughs> and his dad's and yeah. his uncle's and yeah. that family was coming from the Ukraine as well. And Aww. yeah, yeah. And then he wanted to know how old I was. <laughs> and I well, said I was a hundred yeah. <laughs> and he didn't believe me because I didn't look as old as his grandma. <laughs> so when I said 99, he was okay with that. Nice. Yeah. Very good. So that's how old I am. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. But then we also had, we do tours mm-hmm. for uh, different groups. And I always will remember this. Uh, it was a group of new Canadians. They were refugees, I think, from, uh, from Afghanistan. And they came in for a tour. And there was a little girl, probably five years old, who was leading the group. And she was carrying her Canadian flag with her Mm -hmm. as she was walking in. And as soon as she walked into the children's area of the downtown branch, she just gasped and said, it's so beautiful. And we were just all... Melted. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You can stay here forever. Yeah. Yes. Welcome always and forever. Yes. Yeah. And it just, it reminds you what we have yeah that not everyone has access to this amazing space with Mm -hmm. these uh, this huge variety of materials she just sat and pulled books off and flipped through them like throughout their whole visit had this pile beside her just any books would grab it and flip through it and look at the pictures and so to see that where she was just absorbed yeah yeah Well, something to remember to our listeners, because we haven't really talked about this that much, Sage and I, is that library cards for anyone under 18, regardless of where you live, are free. Mm -hmm. So if you happen to live outside in Red Deer County, but you come to school here, you work here, etc., any card of a person under 18 is free. So you can set that up either online or in at any branch. And then you have access to all of those magical oh, materials yes. that are so beautiful <laughs> Books and in all the libraries. And, puzzles and kits and, and that's DVDs the thing too. Like when and, yeah. as a person, a lay person, which I was prior to being here and not a parent and all of those things, when you think about literacy, you think reading books. So what level are you reading and how are you engaging with books? But when you speak of literacy, you speak of other types of literacy. Could you explain a little bit of that to our audience? Of course. Yes, there are. We you often hear the the term STEAM. Mm-hmm. So the, the all the science, tech and, and art and all of that math. So it's all those like number literacy and science literacy and well language literacy Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and then there's there's also physical literacy 
And a big one right now that we're seeing a lot of uh, need for education on is emotional literacy. Mm -hmm. And all of these literacies, you can actually get pieces of them through books and through the materials that we have. And that's where you're going to build the vocabulary needed for all those literacies. When we're in our programs, we're focusing on all or trying to do bits and pieces of all of them. So getting that manual dexterity down Mm -hmm. and that, you know, that little... (laughs) fine motor skills and gross motor skills that children are going to need as they build, you know, as they get older and and move on to do harder tasks, those things they need to be able to read and write, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of those basic building blocks, we're, we're focusing on those throughout the story times. And then as parents are signing up materials, we're recommending things to help them build those when they get home. Mm-hmm. So different books, different resources, different kits that we have here that can help support that learning when they leave the library. I think right now a lot of people are, a lot of parents, are thinking about having those different harder conversations because our world is more connected and things Mm -hmm. are bigger and seem scarier in some spots. How important do you think it is for the library to to provide materials that sort of help you along in those conversations at age-appropriate levels with your children? Uh, I think we're one of the the best spots for people to come. Mm -hmm. For one, we've got the the broad choice for people to, you know, these are the different, as you were saying, the different levels, right? Yeah. The different kinds of materials that, that would work at different age levels, a different um, understanding levels, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, yeah. right? Um, just helping introduce children to the world around them and understand it better. And even the scary things that happen, helping them cope with with what's happening in the world mm-hmm. because they're seeing it, right? Yeah. There are some excellent picture books that have come out recently helping understand climate change. Yeah. Just written at a basic level, just at the level children can comprehend, and also giving them a little bit of empowerment at the end, which mm-hmm. I think is super important. Yeah. These are the things we can all do. So it's not, it's, so that hope is there. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. yeah. I think that's really important um, when I've had this conversation, I think Sarah and I had this conversation when we were talking about young adult literature, that adult societies are responsible for our young adults and for our children in terms of what we are giving them as media. And for me, the end response should always be some level of hope so that things can be better or get better or will be better eventually. And I I find that extremely important, especially now. And we're not even talking about like the big level things that are happening in the world because children don't need to know every single thing that's happening in the world. But what's happening in their world or what a friend might be going through, perhaps like a death in the family, all of these things are, you know, parts of life and have materials available at age appropriate levels here at the library Mm -hmm. and I'm sure like Deb has been long involved in collections here at the library and I'm sure there's a lot of pride for you there that we are able to offer those kinds of materials to help those conversations get started and and be had. Oh absolutely and a picture book is um, an excellent way to help open that door of understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, They're a, a great way to help children build empathy and understanding there, people forget that when we see all this diversity in our books, it's because the world is diverse. Yeah. So it's reflecting what we see in society and what your children are going to see. So let's let's make it commonplace for them there. Yeah. Like you bring it out in the books. The, the thing I've noticed with a lot of the books on diversity that we're seeing more recently is that they're no longer just explaining or just focusing on that difference Mm -hmm. it's they just exist in it effortlessly yeah and that's what society should be (laughs) well and I love that I love the change in well especially books for younger audiences where it's just they happen to be whatever they are and Mm -hmm. it's sort of maybe mentioned in passing or maybe not and it's just part of the story and it is the story because everyone is living their own story and we are interacting with people all the time who are Mm -hmm. living different stories so I think that's a really important part for sure switching gears ever so slightly yes a lot of parents at a certain point with children they either are readers or not 
they're either interested in the library or not. They're interested in games or not, whatever it might be. They're interested in maths or not. How would you, because literacy can be so important and we're talking about language literacy, mm-hmm. or my question is, because it, it matters in school. You have to be able to read the instructions for math. You have to be able to read the instructions for science, whatever it is, yeah, right? It matters in life. Yes. So how, how would you go about sort of propping up parents who are having those reluctant readers in the home? And how, how would you go about sort of encouraging those children who are like, nah, it's not for me? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, it, you know, as, as children get older, yeah. they get busier too. Exactly. They have very busy lives. So asking them to read sometimes when they're this tired, right, or yeah. when it's been a full day, is a challenge for everybody. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that children still, I believe, the latest studies I had seen up until grade six still comprehend more when something's read aloud to them. Oh, interesting. So, you know, there's audiobook options. We have amazing options on Libby. Yeah that are e-audiobooks or we have the you know if you still have a cd player <laughs> with yeah, my car does yeah um you can you know borrow some of those and try listening to the listening to stories because they're still getting the vocabulary from them they're mm-hmm. still getting how a story works there's still literacy involved even if they're not doing the physical reading themselves Well, and I think that's an excellent option, especially for children who do have trouble focusing on one thing, Mm -hmm. because you can have the audiobook going, say, while they're tidying up their room or doing something around the house, little chores, outside in the yard doing whatever, put the headphones in. Um, I think a lot of times there's a certain judgment about different types of yes. reading yeah. like you know like you hear novels, yeah exactly yeah. you hear graphic novels even aren't comics, real reading yeah. or comics yeah. or yeah. even audiobooks people will say you know it's not real reading yeah. what do you define as real reading well i <laughs> i have a very broad yeah <laughs> i imagined you I'm would. like you are reading the cereal box in the morning like yeah. it's reading um reading you know on your phone all of that is reading we get very snobbish when we're like it yeah. needs to be an award-winning book yeah or whatever the case may be um there's kids can be reached using nonfiction, mm-hmm. and the the beauty of nonfiction is many times you're flipping through and you're picking a section you want to read yeah. you don't have to go cover to cover so grabbing something if they're interested in when you're traveling oh let's get a book on all the different countries that are in the world yeah. and they, there's little facts and they like to grab those there's all kinds of great choices there you get that kid a joke book it'll <laughs> yeah. drive you insane um but you know maybe not a knock knock joke yeah book. you can maybe broaden from there but we have lots of great joke books mm-hmm. if your kid get them in the kitchen because you have to read a recipe yeah. and just have them help make the list uh, pick out some recipes go grocery shopping with you it becomes a a family activity but there's literacy involved pull out a board game maybe get them if if you can get a kid who's interested in strategy (laughs) there are some serious reading involved sometimes (laughs) with some of those and you know if there's someone who will sit long enough Mm -hmm. to handle a game you can try a board game there's graphic novels we mentioned earlier sometimes get a bad rap but boy they can get some kids reading yes and that reading what's happening in a picture Mm -hmm. even though there's no words that's storytelling people forget that wordless picture books for example are an excellent pre-reading choice Mm -hmm. because children are developing the story as they're looking at those pictures and storytelling is still literacy right yes so they're they're getting that piece out of the pictures that you forget how important that could be And like a wordless picture book, for example, just going back to what you had said about developing empathy, a lot of those pictures are drawn in a certain way to elicit some sort of emotional response. So to engage with children, to be like, what do you think the, you know, bunny is feeling or what, what does the story tell you? You, you don't really think about that part of Mm -hmm. literacy. And I think that it can get missed a lot of times. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, Deb, because we have you, and obviously Sage and I are not young reading experts (laughs) in any type of way, we wanted to give parents some sort of surefire, put these ones on hold, your children will like it, or look for these types of titles. 
Myself, when I was doing story time, I always loved a re- uh, rhyming book. I thought it really matched mm-hmm. my voice really well, and you could really develop a good cadence with the story, and the children would stay engaged. But again, that is based on how you sound, how what you're comfortable with, and what your child mm-hmm. likes to hear, like what what sort of draws them in. But if you could but see Deb here sitting across <laughs> from me, she has a stack of books. Some of my recent favorites. Yes. yes. So like when you find a picture book and you're like, that's the one, that is a successful book, that's a book that I can see in a story time. Have you noticed any themes or any types of books that sort of always hit for you where you're like, yep, that's a, that's a one? I love the ones that have a, a silly twist at the end. Yeah. Or that have a main character that kids totally are like, oh, you know that that's a kid. <laughs> totally a kid. There's one of my favorites. It's called Off Limits. Um, like Yoon. I'm trying to think of the authors. Oh, Helen Yoon. Mm-hmm. And it's a little... Uh, preschooler yeah. who is, goes into the parents' office in the home, <laughs> which limits. is off limits, and oh, the little piece of tape, and then suddenly becomes they've trashed the entire, like yeah. decorated the entire space, and it's but it's just beautifully done. The illustrations, simple text. Uh, very engaging mm-hmm. child and you know like oh dear this is getting out of control <laughs> and the kids know it they're laughing and then you know it has a twist at the end I don't want to spoil it but yeah. it's beautiful <laughs> and then I forced my coworkers at the main desk you all have to read this book yeah and then and they all laughed some of them begrudgingly because yeah. they were they were not excited about reading a picture book <laughs> but they laughed at the end because it's surprising and that's something that right. Deb will do quite frequently. Oh, yes. Come to coworkers <laughs> and be like, you have to read this. Just as a little aside before we get to your recommendations. Two years ago now, maybe? I think so, um, yeah. You found the book Small in the City. Yeah. And you're like, you have to read this. It's it's so like emotionally engaging. And we were all like, uh-huh, it's like a children's book, right? And so we're reading this picture book. And by the end of it, really not a dry eye. It's such an emotional story. And... Again, we don't want to spoil. At the end, it leaves it a little bit open in terms of what might happen. Mm-hmm. And Deb and I were both a little bit upset about that part because it involves a <laughs> cat and a, and a child. <laughs> yes. uh, so we did actually tweet the author. Unfortunately, the author's Twitter was not that well uh, looked at. Mm-hmm. They seem to have perhaps broken up with Twitter at that point. So we never did get a response. But if any of you lovely readers out in the world have read Small in the City and would like to weigh in on what you think the ending might be, we would love to hear it. Yes. <laughs> Is it Sydney Smith? Sydney... That sounds right, yeah. Yeah. But like just a Canadian author. Like, Mm -hmm. but a beautiful emotional storytelling that you get as an adult and you would get as a child as well. And that little twist of like once you finally realize who the child is talking to, extremely emotional. Yeah. (laughs) Extremely emotional. So just going as an aside, what do you have first for us today, Deb? Uh while we're on the topic of a cat. Actually, we should always be on the topic, <laughs> <laughs> which we are always on. Yes, um, I had a few parents looking for books to help their children understand where their place is in the world, basically in the city, in their home, in the world as a whole. And there is this lovely, lovely nonfiction book entitled "Where in the World Are You?" Oh. by Marie Road R O H D E. I'm showing the picture to Claire. None of you can see it. I am sad for you all. There is a beautiful black cat that's hiding on many pages. And it basically, it starts with where you are personally at this moment in your house, and it gets bigger each time. And so where are you? And it's very, very simple text. And then you're in an apartment, in a building, in a block, in a neighborhood, in a busy city, in a country, in a, and then it gets out like into the universe. Which is like a great way to explain to children, like, yeah, the world. Oh, and there's a little black kitty hiding in all of the pictures. That sort of ties into your monthly story time that you're doing to get people to know other things in the community that we wouldn't mm-hmm. actually. To so, reconnect, yeah. yeah. So yeah. do you want to just plug quickly your monthly story time that you do? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yes. We, uh, 
the people in your neighborhood. <laughs> and I will try not to sing the tune. Um, but we are inviting members of our community to come in and be a special guest reader at our story times to try to, to build back some of that community that we're feeling like our city lost a little bit during mm-hmm. that isolation period. Right. And, and then welcome newcomers to our city mm-hmm. and then remind the people that currently live here what is amazing about our city like yeah. what is so great about it why we love to belong here and what we want to celebrate about it so it, we have a special guest who comes in and then they'll read a few stories they'll talk a little bit about what they do in the community and what they love about it mm-hmm. and then we'll have a fun activity afterwards <laughs> that they can all do together and meet and talk afterwards. and that's the first Saturday of every month yes so the first yes. Saturday of every month, you can go to rdpl.org to the events. You're looking for the people in your neighborhood, story mm-hmm. time. And we do ask that you register. We do a lot of drop-in traffic as well. Oh, so yes. if you decide yeah. the morning of yeah. that you're coming down. For sure. But we do like to get an idea of, of sort of what to expect because we do have that little activity that we like to do afterwards. So if you would register, we would be most appreciative. And it is geared to all ages. Yes. So, so it's adults like are welcome to join too. Time. And yeah. it's the last, uh, our first one, we were lucky to have. Of Mayor Ken Johnson come and Councillor Diane Weinches and they read beautifully. I'm sad <laughs> that some of you missed it. It was hilarious. They read uh, Serious Goose. Oh, yeah, which story. you should all buy Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, which was hilarious and well received. So the there were a lot of school age children who yeah. actually were here that and totally enjoyed the event so it can be all different ages for sure and by the time you all are hearing this podcast you're looking for the first saturday in april mm-hmm. so we have the first saturday in march still coming up but yes. i'm sure that story time will go just as smoothly but yeah you won't hear about that until after yes. so first first saturday in april have a look and it is at the downtown branch at 11 11 o'clock yes, yes 11 yep. o'clock so sign up for it mm-hmm. do it join us what other kinds of books do you got over there, Deb? Oh, well, I am, uh, lately I've been listening to a lot of, uh, or finding music in the things that I'm interested in. Mm, okay. And my daughter had bought me a, a Nina Simone album. Oh, I love watching that when we were at, in BC. Yeah. And so, and I love it. It's, it's amazing. So I wanted to know more about her and then came across the fact that there is a new uh, picture book. What? about her life that oh my is gosh the cover gorgeous. is amazing <laughs> yes the art on this yep. book people yes and it's called out. nina a story of nina simone and it is it's done like a picture book so a little bit uh, like preschool obviously wouldn't be able to sit quite as long right but it's her story but beautifully told it talks uh, that because of the racism she experienced as well mm-hmm. it just it handles it so well it brings you into the era that she grew up in and understand what she was feeling mm-hmm. what motivated her to do what she was doing the challenges she met without it being too frightening for young children right but enough that they should be angry yeah. They should feel like that wasn't fair. Right. <laughs> and, we and children that like have a sense of fairness. They, they really do. do. Yeah. And that's the response. Exactly. Like if you are an empathetic individual or, or a sympathetic even too, mm-hmm. right? Because they're two different things. Yeah. You're, you would feel like that wasn't fair. And what, I hope that doesn't happen anymore. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's very well done. It's by Tracy and Todd. The cover of that could be a poster. Oh, right. It's gorgeous. Whoever is the illustrator on that, amazing style. Christian Robinson. I love that. Yeah. So good. What else do you got? Oh, I have one that I mentioned at a meeting earlier today. I've been, <laughs> it's another one that I run around and make people read. So Claire has, I haven't tracked her down yet, so she gets to hear about it today. <laughs> it's by Brie Galbraith. It's called Hold That Thought. Okay. And it's one of those ones where I had mentioned earlier how now we're seeing diversity just incorporated in. Right. It's just, it just exists. It doesn't have to be talked about. It doesn't it's have to be not central to the storyline. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's basically, it's lyrically told. So again, I, I am a lover of language and words and how they're uniquely chosen and what, what they could mean. Don't be afraid, I always tell parents this, of choosing books that have big words in them. Mm-hmm. Big words are important. They're important for kids to hear them, even if they're not. This is the beauty of nonfiction. Yeah. You're bringing up words that are not going to come up in a regular conversation. <laughs> 
And even if you don't know what it means, well, we're going to investigate that together. What do, yeah. you, what do you think based on the context it might mean? And if we aren't sure, let's look it up. Yeah. And you're modeling this amazing behavior for kids, right? That is an amazing behavior to model. Yeah. The idea that no question is stupid, and mm-hmm. if we don't know, let's find it out. We'll find out. Together. Like, it's yeah. totally fine. Adults don't know everything all the time. Exactly. <laughs> so in this story, this hold that thought, a uh, young child has has an idea and it's it's uh graphically shown like it's a it's a beautiful little glow that gets bigger throughout the story so they have an idea and they run and show their friend and then their friend incorporates things into it and it gets bigger and more beautiful and then as one of the other kids in their class points out that uh i don't think you should hide it all good ideas need to be worked out. Yeah. And so they're working together. So originally they're hiding it. and then, But then there's, of course, another child who comes along and throws a rock at it. They don't understand it. They yeah. don't get it. and But it's not completely damaged. <laughs> and then he brings it out again, and it grows. And then all the children add. And so there's more colors oh as goodness. they're adding, except that first one that threw the rock. But then a little idea comes to him. And he remembers the first kid and goes to them to help it grow. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, beautiful colors. Something I, I noticed after reading it <laughs> a couple times yeah. was they, the main character, the pronoun them. Oh, interesting. And it's not a no big deal made of it. Yeah. It's just that's the pronoun used. Yeah. The other ones have different pronouns. That's the one. And it just it clued in for one of the pages, and then I checked for it. I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. Because something that had been said to me at a webinar many years ago was so many books, picture books at the time, the main character was male. Mm-hmm. So, so many. There was very, like, the representation for female main characters was much lower yeah and so their recommendation was stop using he and think about it how many times you start with the word with he Mm -hmm. as the pronoun when you start a story when you're not sure which one it is oh that's a good point right and it's it just comes out it's it's a habit that you need to break yourself of Mm -hmm. Um, to be more inclusive use they they and them is (laughs) the inclusive term (laughs) and you use it unless the author has specified otherwise yeah so uh that's a habit i've been trying to bring myself into and it's tough it's tough to break an old habit um but so at first i was wondering if that was me trying to change (laughs) you know (laughs) no i need to you know not just use he but no it was an intentional choice by the author without making it a big deal yeah it was just effortlessly there so another one that I love has uh, a couple of, of, I guess they would be authors and illustrators who have won awards in the past. Ooh. So I'm not surprised that it's well done, <laughs> but uh, I absolutely adore this one. It's called I Don't Care <laughs> by Julie Fogliano, and then the illustrators are Molly Idol and what. Juana Martinez-Neal. I've probably butchered her name. I apologize (laughs) apologize. to her if she's listening. (laughs) But they have, yeah. And it, think about when you say, I don't care what you're meaning. Yeah. And so it starts out with the negative. Mm -hmm. And the two children are looking angry. Yeah. And there's two main characters. But then, like, I don't care if you like my clothes. I don't care if you think this. I don't care if you, but then it turns. Yeah. And it uses, it almost repeats the same phrase, but the illustrations tell a completely different story. So the same words are repeated back. I really don't care if your dancing is funny. So it's suddenly turned positive. Mm-hmm. And they don't care about these things because what I do care about is, and then they go into the, I care if you wish, I care if you sing, and I care if you like to lean back when you swing. Oh. And then they're, you know, it's just really beautifully done about building that friendship of the things that they, they do care about, what they do like about and each other. And it's another example of looking at illustrations from the context of yeah. what 
things could mean. Mm -hmm. Because in English, especially, we have a lot of words that mean multiple things, or we have a lot of phrases that could be taken multiple ways. Mm -hmm. And it really does matter, those context clues of someone's face or someone's body language or someone's tone even. So I bet you that's a fun one to read out loud. Oh, yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> yes. Another of my favorites when it talks about, when you talk about pictures, using the pictures to tell how to read the mm -hmm. story is the moo. Yeah. Because the one with the cow who comes across a car and decides to want to drive it. And then, <laughs> oh, there's a little accident. So, but the only word throughout most of the story until the very last page is moo. Yeah. And so it's like, moo? Moo, and then moo, 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 and then moo, when they crash. So it's uh, it's very adorably done. It's one that I recommend a lot of times to parents. Is just it just called moo? Read. It's just called moo. <laughs> There's really a police officer yeah. in there. So I believe when we had a police officer special guest reader one time, we had them read moo. Oh, how cute. Yeah. I love that. And then yes. you have a couple of sort of what we would call middle grade yes. choices there. When we say middle grade, what do we mean? Uh, I would say often it'll be listed on the book ages 8 to 12, mm -hmm. but it's, it's really, it would be your grade, like I would say grade 4 reader up to grade 8 even, okay. right? Because sometimes, like depending on interest level, main character, most of the time in a middle grade one, I find the main character is about 12 years old. Okay. And with, As a rule of thumb. Yeah. yeah. And with children, often they enjoy especially that age group they would read books where the main character is around their age and older mm -hmm. not usually as big a fan of younger no. right yeah. yeah so that's why I say ages 8 to 12 generally yeah. but a little bit older sometimes well adults will yeah. also super enjoy some of these books um you and I had spoken earlier today about the David A. Robertson series yeah Misequa I think is the series yeah I and probably the first wrote it down, and I don't have it with grounds me. For yes, any of our the Barren Grounds. Yeah. yeah, that is a, a beautifully done. Right now, there's three in the saga, mm -hmm. and it's just beautifully done. It mixes in that folklore, that indigenous folklore, mm -hmm. and um, characters, and then uh, there's some adventure, some mystery. There's it's a little bit scary, <laughs> right? Like there is so much with such well drawn characters. He's just a master at these beautifully done characters, right? And I think middle grade, when you're talking about ages, yeah, kids want to read someone around their age or maybe a little mm -hmm. bit older. But then when we get to our adulthood and it's just whatever we're interested in, whatever yeah. sort of grabs our attention, I always think about this quote at the beginning of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. C.S. Lewis wrote it for his goddaughter. And the quote is basically, you know, little girls grow faster than books so that I hope you, you know, discover this as an adult and it's sort of magic for you all over again because there is yep. sort of that middle part where it's like, ah, I can't read a kid's book, so, yeah. such and such. But, yep. I mean, when you're talking about what the quality of middle grade books right now, the one that you have right now on the top of your pile by Catherine Applegate, she is a magical oh, right. author for me. Like, yes. I read her book, The Wish Tree, and I read it at the time my opa had just passed away, oh. and the language and the sort of melancholy life of this little girl that she's leading and, and the tree sort of telling the story of the community and whatever, I found it extremely comforting that I think about it and I recommend it all the time. And I think that people don't really realize that. So you have Catherine Applegate's latest, yes, which is? It is called Odder, O-D-D-E-R. And if and you just I see the cover, my friends. It's about an otter. <laughs> Adorable. Yeah. Yes. Um, I find we forget about the beauty and the joy and the fun in reading books where the main character is an animal. Yeah. Once you get into adult fiction and YA Few fiction, far between. And there's so <laughs> little of it. Yeah. And the, yet... The children's collection is just oh. like an embarrassment of riches yeah. on books where the main character is an animal. And it's, I find people forget, it's like they forgot how to empathize with an animal. Yeah. Like just because it's an animal and they've, they've been given, you know, like the, almost like the thoughts and feelings of a human being, yeah. but told from an animal kind of 
character. And I don't know if it just is because when kids are younger, maybe they they feel more uh, affection to animals. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what the... It's the Disneyfication uh, of the world. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. But Otter, what I love, love so much about this book is that it's actually told in verse. Yeah. And, but despite that it's us like it's a full beautifully done story mm-hmm. and it's that simple word choice again it's that language thing which is yeah. probably why I love it so much because I do read poetry and I yeah. love it so much because it can encapsulate so much emotion and feeling and story in just a couple of words yeah and then you take it from there in your own imagination and this one is beautifully done the other book that is one of my all-time favorites that's written in verse is um crossover by Kwame Alexander. oh yeah. yeah 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 I adore that book so much and I do not like basketball <laughs> I've never been good at it I don't understand the game very well I never watch it I you know I avoid it and that's like it's told with all these basketball references references <laughs> and to help tell the story and yet I love it so, so much because the characters are amazingly done. They're, you just feel like you're part of that family and you want to, um, well, you want to protect them and, yeah. and stay with them and help them. And they're, they're an African-American family, but that's not, it's very, it's, they're, it's not about them being African-American, mm-hmm. I guess. So it's, they're just this beautiful family loving family that is going through some things right and it's really really well done I also think it's a like novels like chapter books written in verse can be very good for reluctant readers because they're reading something quote-unquote at their grade level so if you know they take it to school or whatever they don't have to be like oh I'm reading a baby book or whatever Mm -hmm. no you're reading a chapter book just like everyone else and it just happens to have fewer words on the page and it just is what it is. And then you don't have that judgment. Sometimes yeah. children who are reluctant readers are reluctant because maybe they don't feel as confident in their reading skills. Exactly. And they don't want to be seen reading, you know, you know, those children books instead of the middle grade mm-hmm. books. The baby and books, yeah. Yeah, and the verse novels can really help them mm-hmm. get into reading again. Yeah. And don't forget with reluctant readers, uh, they might not want to sign it out at school, you know, with their yeah. friends. But picture books are still... There are some absolutely written for older kids. Yeah. They're just, just by the Well, a couple of the ones them, that you have story. here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They would get so much out of it. And it's an easy sell if you have a kid that loves art yeah. of oh, any kind. Sure. Because that's the, when we say vocabulary is so important for children in, in building their literacy and their, their English, reading, writing, all of those skills, yeah. um, viewing more artwork is how you become a better artist. Yes. So that variety and right, and there are just the most amazingly done picture books. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I sometimes you get a book that comes across the desk and it just stops in your tracks. You have to open it up right. because it just looks gorgeous. Oh, absolutely. And it doesn't even matter what the story is. Sometimes you don't even get it. You're just flipping through to see how how are they drawing this? How is someone this talented? Right. It can be very inspirational. Mm-hmm. And what's the last recommendation you All have right. for us The there? last one I have is Katie the Cat Sitter. It's a graphic novel see, series. See, we brought it back to cats. Uh, it's, oh, it's all about cats. It's kind of our theme other than otter. The yeah. little otter. Otters are a little bit like yeah. a cat. Um, but it's it's a graphic novel series uh, with uh, for children who enjoyed Smile and all the Raina yeah. Telgemeier. I'm probably butchered her name too she needed a shorter name it's <laughs> you know, hard for, for this kids, to be easier yes. for me yes and for children yeah. when they're trying to find them Very drama so. and smile and so it's reminiscent of that illustration style mm-hmm. uh very very well done illustrations but it's a young girl who is navigating sort of that middle school world she's about 12 i believe um and needs to earn some money mm-hmm. so that she can do go to the summer camp that she wants to so she ends up cat sitting well there's like a couple hundred cats in this house <laughs> and they all have special skills and it turns out that their owner may be a super villain Ooh. and so there's and the kid the cats you know there's one of them can hack computers and one can like i'm talking serious <laughs> serious skills. Cats have skills yeah <laughs> yes the cats have skills and so katie is having to while she's dealing with super villains and these crazy cats that she's looking after 
semester and those kind of challenges, she's also navigating that middle school world of making friends and making those decisions. Yeah. The real life of it all. Exactly. (laughs) And it's done really well. There's lots of humor in it. And the cats are amazing. I've never even heard of this series. No. See, look at those amazing cats. See, none of you can see the pictures, and I'm sad for you all. (laughs) So you need to sign them out or sign it out. It's it's listed as middle grade, but there's not. It's not a super lot of text on each page. Mm -hmm. It's just done at a nice level for kids that are potentially a reluctant reader, or they just want a fun read. Yeah. And remember, kids don't always have to read exactly at their level. Mm-hmm. It's really important to give them choice, just like we give ourselves choice. Yeah. Some days you just need something light and funny and easy to read, and other days you want something more challenging and complicated that you can sink your teeth into. And yeah. kids are the same. We need to you know, honor that in them and give them these, this wide range of choice. I think that's an excellent point, and an excellent point to leave off on for young readers as well. Like, everyone can be a mood reader. It doesn't matter what <laughs> age you are. It is what it is sometimes. Yep. So before we leave you here today, we're going to give you a little taste of what we're reading, watching, and listening to. Deb, what are you reading? Well, I've been... Uh, I am a big fan of Canadian fiction. We know this I about Deb when you're in. I say that apologetically, yeah. <laughs> but I, I bug people to read Canadian all the time. And long-time Canadian... listeners will know I don't. Yes, yes. <laughs> So it's great because then we can recommend different stuff. Um, So, but I've also been reading a lot of Canadian fiction with intention because the Red Deer Reads, we Mm -hmm. were looking for Canadian uh, books. And because I belong to just a fun book club, mostly we just have snacks and visit. And then we quickly (laughs) suggest books to each other. Uh, But we are planning to read across Canada. Oh, I've heard this from another one of your members. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, currently we're in the Maritimes, which there's amazing you know, choices there, except Prince Edward Island is a little too small of a province. (laughs) Is that where you gave Yeah, right? (laughs) Basically, yes. I have a few other choices, but it's Michael Smith's cookbook is basically what I've come across. He does have one of his books. It's, oh, Fortune, In It, Fortune Bay. Okay. I probably said the wrong title, but there's a nice, lovely section at the beginning that highlights the specific um, materials they can find in Prince Edward Island to put in their wow. recipes and that they try to shop local or um, choose local mm-hmm. and it goes into that whole community and what they purchase from within the community. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking it's an easy choice <laughs> in that like, I can sell it to the rest of my book club yeah. because it, it is very Prince Edward Island and I'm actually very much enjoying what they have to say about it all nice yeah are you a cookbook person where it has to have a picture oh on the page? God. yes okay good yes good, absolutely good. pictures <laughs> everywhere otherwise it's not happening yeah because i yeah. probably won't yeah. cook anything from a cookbook if i yeah. if i'm being honest with myself oh, uh, yes the world. you and me both but i would like to live vicariously yes. i want to know what that might look like should i decide exactly <laughs> like how beautiful is that the presentation yeah. yes yes so that one um i've also read when i was looking for choices for red deer to recommend uh of course you and i've already talked about this i love leslie greentree it's uh i am biased (laughs) because i know the author but her um not the apocalypse i was looking for or that i just i adore her books i adore her poetry and her short stories i think her characters are really well done and there i read one of her poems at the adult story time (laughs) and it was a huge hit because it's got a lot of sass to it yeah and a little a little double entendre in there um (laughs) with power tools so it was a lot of fun (laughs) and uh, she is uh anyway so i not the apocalypse i was hoping for is one of the ones that i've been reading and And you can put that on hold here at the library but we also i recently purchased it from sunworks because you can get a signed copy there and it was at Deb's recommendation slash also it's been on some lists like you yep. know things to watch out for on CBC and whatnot and beautiful cover and oh the cover gets me I, <laughs> yes like I love it it's such gorgeous a rich green and just yep. such a sort of a simple cover but very very eye-catching yes like in the composition but when you start reading it you're right in there like you can 
hear like I've never personally met or heard Leslie speak, but from the writing, you just you have a certain thought of like what she sounds like. Mm-hmm. So just as a layperson, I would say I would recommend that also. Oh yes. Yeah. There's a lovely shout out to librarians in there. Ooh. I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Um and the the other one I would like to recommend that's Canadian is Dallas Hunt. Um oh. Creeland. I find his word choice is exceptional in there. Yeah. There are some just just that just ugh. <laughs> you read it and you go, oh yeah. And and some I laugh. Yeah. There's one in there where I believe it's called Cree Dictionary. And just you know, the uh, the Cree word for and but there are things like there are things that happen. Mm-hmm. So the Cree word I think uh, I'm not going to remember it off the top of my head, but basically, is my grandmother sighing or murmuring? Okay, Isn't that right. And the, so there, yeah, yeah, yes. Oh. There are a couple of my favorite poems that are in there now that that I love. Great recommendation. Yeah. Meanwhile, as the readers know, I'm reading romance because I'm always reading romance. Um, so I finished yesterday "Things We Never Got Over" by Lucy Score. We did a book for Happy Ever After by Lucy Score, like her newest one, and she had previously done some like self-publishing indie routes. And so we read her, you know, big. This is published by a big publishing house book, and none of us were like super keen on her. Interesting. And so Net Galley had sent me a book to review, which is the second in this series, the thing we we never got over. So I thought oh, I'll read the first one just in case because I want to give the second one like a you know a good chance to wow me or whatever it's my first five star of the year wow incredibly readable very likable great characters great angst all of the things that i love and i'm just like what happened with these books versus you know your big huge release like these books are getting you know a big huge release now but i don't know i was a little confused by the whiplash of like oh i thought this was homework but no no i love it so yeah, that's been a pleasant surprise. Excellent. Would recommend. We have both at the library, so I would recommend, you know, both. I'm halfway through the second one, which I am supposed to review, so I would recommend if you're a romance reader. If you're a romance reader. See, I, we all go to Claire yeah. if you need romance <laughs> recommendations. Yeah. Even though this is coming out in March, it is February as we speak. Yeah, it's literally, we are recording this on Valentine's Day. Yes. I am in hot pink, and we are reading romance, my friends, as always. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been watching, Deb? Uh, like most of Alberta, The Last of Us. <laughs> I know we had a little joke there about that meme about, uh, you know, the the angry dad looking after <laughs> yeah. a magical child and transferring them. So yeah. re-watching The Mandalorian, so I'm ready for the next season. I know, That's supposed so to come exciting. Out March so first, I think. Yep. And then, and also enjoying The Last of Us a little creepier at first. I was a little scared, yeah. but... Very good. I'm enjoying very much the the play of characters, actually. Mm-hmm. Since you recommended that one, I will recommend others. So oh, I watched Criminal Minds Evolution on Disney+, Plus, which is like the sequel series, but with most of the same people. Except for I sort of stopped watching Criminal Minds, so all of these, like, most of the same people, I don't really know them. Oh. So I was like, mm. um, So Criminal, Evolution, Criminal Minds Evolution, because it's on Hulu in the United States... And not just like regular cable channel. Uh, they have language, and they're a little bit more uh, risque than they were on TV. Okay. And they, they were a pretty risque show, very violent. Mm-hmm. Um, the killer, the central killer, is played by Zach Guilford, which is my favorite person from Friday Night Lights, Matt Saracen. So it's hard to like not root for him when he's Matt Saracen, <laughs> but I do know that he is the murderer, so I, I try not to. Oh. But the best show, hands down, and I don't know if you've watched it yet, is Shrinking on Apple TV+. Plus. And I hope so badly that we are able to get the DVDs here. So it has Jason Siegel, and he is recently um, a widower, and he's sort of going through that grief process, but he's also a therapist. And his therapist slash co-worker is Harrison Ford. It is so good. Wow. I've been watching it with my mom because she's been here visiting, and we have loved every single episode. It's been good every single time. And I don't know how they're hitting it out of the park. It's the same uh, makers um, of, as Ted Lasso, which a lot of people really enjoyed. I haven't watched it yet. I'm very bad. But oh, I hope we can get the DVDs. I just, people need to watch the show. It's Ugh. so, 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 so good. Yeah. I'll have to look for it. Would recommend. What have you mm-hmm. been listening to? Um, well, 
I when I said I was on getting on a music kick. Uh-huh. So after the reading the Nina Simone picture book, um, I found uh, the podcast Black Girl Songbook. Oh. And they highlight a historical, well, not always historical, but a, a, a black female singer and talk about their life a little bit, the play context a little bit of their music, music the context. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very well done. I'm enjoying it a lot. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I'm going I'm, yeah. I'm to have to listen to that one. I've been looking for like a new podcast. And I do a lot of movie podcasts, but I need to do, I need to expand my horizons. I need to find a music podcast. Um, I've been listening to the audio book All Systems Red by Martha Wells, which is the first in the Murderbot Diaries series. I got it on Audible. I think we probably have them too, but I had a lot of credits that I needed to use up. Um, And I've really been enjoying it. Great narration. Really, it's sort of giving me that like, aliens itch that I have every once in a while because I've blown through all of their media. They're making me nothing new. So I had to expand my horizons and I'm really enjoying it. So it's the first in that series. And it's like a fairly long series. I think there's six or seven books out right now, but they're novella size. So like the audiobook itself is like three hours and 30 minutes. So you can Perfect. really blow through it yeah if you need yeah. to calgary and back yeah basically <laughs> so it's been it's been enjoyable i will continue on i don't know if i'll use all my credits or i'll just borrow the books from here mm-hmm. but yeah i've been enjoying the audiobook listen for sure would the recommend beauty of libraries exactly. yes yeah well deb thank you so much for joining us today i love this conversation it was really great because you offer something that i don't offer can't offer <laughs> and i loved having you on Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So we'll see you guys next time. Enjoy your day. Bye.